Hi, welcome to episode 1.4 of the Borcelli Brothers podcast. I'm Mike Borcelli. And I'm Sean Borcelli. On this episode, we were lucky enough to have Associate Features Editor for the National Post, David Barry, join us for a conversation about comedy in film, and specifically, what makes a timeless comedy. Yeah, I, I think we actually came up with some pretty good uh, reasons uh, for films to be timeless. Yeah, I think we came to some good conclusions. And we, <clears throat> for the most part, agreed on what we considered timeless. Mm-hmm. Well, there were some disagreements. I, I I don't know if we really solved it. I don't know if... Uh, I think we agreed to disagree or something in the episode. I think the main reason we had David on this episode was because of a National Post article that he had written. Oh, this... Yeah, this is... He wrote an article that um, really uh, got me thinking and also maybe got me feeling a little bit uh, uh, argumentative or contrarian. Um Mike, I, I think you thought so as well until you looked into it a little further, but uh, we'll discuss that on this episode. Uh, it one of our best episodes I think so far. Yeah, I, I really like super this one. entertaining. I really Dave is a great guy. He's super easy funny. to talk to. Uh, I've known Dave for a long time. Mike's known Dave for a long time, um, and it was really great to have him back here in, uh, especially in his capacity as writer for National Post, and, and and after writing a lot of interesting articles that we were able to talk about on the show. Yeah. So episode 1.4, right? Yep. Uh, and this episode is brought to you, to you, and brought to you by us, to you, by uh, Steam Whistle Pilsner. Uh, they're one of our sponsors. They they provide us our, our beverages we sure, every recording. Sure drank a lot of them this time. Yep. Yeah, we... We actually, we, we might have to ask for two cases per episode now um, because we definitely ran out early. Yeah, we drank a lot. Mm-hmm. I had to pull out my hideaway bottle of gin on this one in order to satiate uh, <laughs> the thirst. Uh, our other sponsor is also uh, the wonderful Uncle Norman's Mustache Tamer. Okay. I know we're supposed to say thanks, Uncle Norman, right now, but here's the thing. I don't know if just saying Uncle Norman's Mustache Tamer is going to be good enough for what Uncle Norman's Mustache Tamer gave us. Like, just just saying that Uncle Norman's Mustache Tamer sponsored us, I I don't think it's enough. You don't? No. Uh, Uncle Norman, if it wasn't for Uncle Norman... We wouldn't be here today. You know what? You're right. He heard our idea a long time ago, and the first thing he said was, what can I give you to get this done? And we actually were uncomfortable about it. Super uncomfortable about it. I, I, I was like, no, nothing. No, it's just, it, you know, it's good. We're, we got a good idea. We're, we're going with it. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I think my just my laptop will, will do for this, which we found to be incredibly false. And then he gave us money to buy our first bit of equipment. Yeah, he really launched this whole this whole ship. He had faith. He had faith in us. And in return, we have faith in him. And on our website, uh, something that's been lacking is a link to where you can even buy Uncle Norman's mustache tamer. I mean, we say it like uh, buy Crest toothpaste or Colgate or whatever. Because you know where to get that. You get that at the grocery store. You get that at uh, Shopper's Drug Mart. Where do you get Uncle Norman's mustache hammer, Mike? 
from from Uncle Norman. You get it direct from Uncle Norman, or there are some shops in the city that also carry it. And he also often has little markets where it is provided, which we will have on our website uh, to where you can actually find it. It is a good product, uh, handmade. He makes it himself, and a lot of people in this city use it. A lot of people with mustaches and great facial hair. So from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks, Thanks Uncle Norman. Now please enjoy episode 1.4 with David Barry. No, no more chips, though. Those are loud. Or <laughs> cheesy. Okay, okay. Strictly Chicago mix from here on out. Yeah. I got Chicago mix purely because I thought they'd be quieter than chips. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it. Let's do a sound check on the uh, uh, on the, the sound mix. of popcorn having eating of... here. Okay, you can hear it. Okay, now to be fair, like I crunched, I crunched, you I crunched crunch, more yeah. than I am. But like you usually know usually crunch. Sure, but the sound of somebody chomping on some of those. Okay, that's one thing. The sound of like rustling through a bag. Yeah, that's another. true. So like this, you didn't even know I picked no. up a piece of popcorn. It's audibly. whisper quiet. Oh, but you chew so loud. You know, you know who chews loud? Watch this. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like my mouth will be closed, but it's just like I have my mouth. My mouth is an echo chamber. Oh yeah, you do chew loud. That is a loud chew. I should probably admit at this point that like I kind of find mouths disgusting. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, no, it's like it gets me. Like there was a Excel commercial. I can't. Was, I think it was a gum commercial or like a Crest commercial that used to go on the big screens before movies, and it was like kind of horrified me. I had to leave because it was just like up a close, big close mouths. Up. Yeah, yeah, like and just like yeah, it was gross. I'm the same way. So chew away. People there, chewing. Pal. You <laughs> disgusting <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> uh, cereal. Is mm. the one that gets me eating, watching, or listening, or watching people eat cereal. Mm. I think it's one of the main reasons I don't like cereal. <laughs> it's just because of people like going. Yeah. It's like oh, like I just I have to. Leave I think room. I have to leave the room. I part can't of it, the same room. With part of it, it with him also is like the idea of pouring milk on something. Milk on and bread. eating food floating in a yeah. puddle of milk was gross to him. It's super gross. I like soggy the, bread. That seems weird. Like if you. Separated out. Yeah, yeah, but don't. Like you, no, just don't just do, do it. He just happened to accidentally do it yeah. first as a kid. <laughs> I've done it before. Oh. I just I didn't like it then. Oh, when I was a kid, I used to make cereal by pouring the milk first and then adding the cereal because I didn't really know yeah. what I was doing. 
I'm surprised I didn't it's the wrong have that way to issue. Do it. Yeah, no, it's the wrong way to do it. <laughs> turns out. So, you know. Yeah. We've all learned something here today. <clears throat> Which we could pinpoint as. <laughs> <laughs> there is a right way and a wrong way to eat cereal, and a right way and a wrong way to even conceive of cereal. <laughs> it is an interesting concept. Like, who went, like, 100 years ago, they didn't eat cereal that way, right? Well, I don't know. What did, when was Kellogg? K- Kellogg was like late. The cornflakes. Yeah, which were supposed to like stop your sex drive or whatever. Yeah, stop you from masturbating. Yeah. Right. That's what Kellogg's yeah. were supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, that was his. Uh, and then what was it? Fletcherism. Oh. It's like where you're supposed to chew things like 800 times. <clears throat> right. Right. For right, like yeah. various health. But it was mostly it was mostly like don't masturbate. Yeah, he was in. Here's an, some cornflakes. Yeah, stop eat some cornflakes. You'll get your yeah. what you need uh-huh. out of that. I don't know. I'd be willing to bet you, though, that it was probably like a milk. Like all these things you, uh, you know, now that seem normal, if you go back, they're all like twisted ad campaigns. Like even like brushing your teeth, I think, or like deodorant. Like all of these things were like totally normal to not do it. And then they were like, anyone who doesn't do this is disgusting. Go to hell. Uh, and I'm willing to bet it was probably like a dastardly milk plot to yeah. like you know it's the like, milk industry is like we got to get in on this whole cereal game <laughs> yeah <laughs> people are just sitting there eating crunchy cornflakes and not <laughs> masturbating <laughs> we need a piece yeah something to remind them of the semen that would otherwise come out of their penis <laughs> it's a way to strengthen it right like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um back in the day though like uh back oh, a few hundred years ago they did a few so three yeah, about that. Yeah. 1600s, roughly. 1700s. Um, pottage is what they'd eat. And it's actually just like whole grain oats in milk. Like cold? Like, Well, I guess they didn't have it really cold. It'd be warm milk? Yeah. So that's what our porridge is. Yeah. Oh. But like it, that's also sort of the start of cereal, but it was really healthy. Right. Um, they say that if we were eating that now, we'd live longer. Well, yeah, it's, you're supposed to eat oatmeal. Because Lord knows, in the 1700s, yeah, they, uh, great for your cholesterol. they lived really long. <laughs> well, they didn't have modern medicine, though. Right, yeah. They had pottage, though. Mm-hmm. Pottage. Pottage and no antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Cheerios. If you left your pottage out. out for a couple of days, <laughs> that's how they found out about penicillin. <laughs> Old oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And also, um, what's that poison? The hallucinogen they get from rye. Oh, right. That like caused the witch trials or yeah, whatever. What's that yeah, called? I, uh, it's not, no, sorghum is an actual thing. I can't uh, remember. Sorghum. No, yeah. it's uh, a rye. They had ergot. Ergot. Ergot uh, poisoning. Right. Mm. Another thing we don't have to worry about these days, probably. Oh, we could if we wanted to. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Sounds like a fun time. <laughs> Well, these seeds are got in a lot of different like concoctions, medicinal yeah. concoctions, to help well, see things. Maybe we could bring it back as like an artisanal, you know, like handcrafted drug. Yeah, in a, in a... we actually could. <laughs> we really could. Like the chemistry for it is so easy. I hear it's kind of phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, if this starts a craze, anyway. yeah. Let's trademark it. You want to hand me a, another tasty, delicious steam whistle beer? Thank you. Uh, don't tell Natalie. I'm just going to have one of these. I just don't want to. I'll edit that out. Oh, okay.
I got it on the recording. I can bribe you now. <laughs> Are you not supposed to be oh, uh, drinking these tasty, uh, delicious, steamless old beers? Yes. Things, diet. Oh, okay. My belly. Ah, uh, yeah. And the things that come out my bum. <laughs> Steam whistle beer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink it. Kind of. Oh. Been sitting next board game. Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a Sunday after all. Yeah. I'm surprised, you know, they don't... Uh, Market the whole addiction thing as far as beer is concerned harder, you know, like yeah. people are literally dying for this. <laughs> you <laughs> could be one of them. <laughs> How strong is your liver? <laughs> you don't have one of those sissy livers, do you? <laughs> are you man enough to become an alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> Real man. <laughs> <laughs> Watch your life just Real fall apart around you. Yeah. And still keep their shit together. <laughs> 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 it's not alcoholism if you're at work. Good to get started? You feeling yeah. okay? I'm feeling good. Feeling yeah. loose? Good. I've got one and a half steam whistles in me. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. like one and a quarter. <laughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> yeah. One and a third. That's closer to it. All right. No, because the top part of the bottle is uh, narrower. There you go. There. One and a half steam whistles. <laughs> if you have to burp, it's okay to burp into the mic. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm actually not much of a burper. Like, it, almost to the point of it being a problem. Uncomfortable. Like, yeah, sometimes oh, yeah. I have to burp I, and I can't burp. I grew up yeah. like that. Do you get the gurgle in your throat? Yeah. Like the, so, yeah. the slow release and everybody, somebody it's standing like, next to you is like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and you're like, well, it's just how I burp. It's, it's just I can't. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a slow so. release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I usually just step outside just and like, fart. Yeah. yeah. That's how I handle it. <laughs> I just burped. <laughs> out of my mouth. Yeah. Uh, so, welcome to the Borcelli Brothers podcast. I'm uh, Mike Borcelli. This is Sean Borcelli again, and we are here with a special guest, someone that we're very excited to have on our show, uh, David Barry. David Barry is the associate features editor at the National Post, uh, also a longtime friend. Mm-hmm. So we, I didn't have to pull too many connections to get him on the show, and he also happened to be in the city uh, because he's getting married. And uh, I cornered him, and he said yes. It's true. That all happened. I'm actually supposed to be getting married, like, in an hour, so. Okay, Uh-oh. so we should, oh, you should have told us that, like, four hours ago. We could have started it. <laughs> it's nice to have you on the show, David. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Uh, so, we've been friends for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say a really long time. Yeah, we, uh, we have similar likes and dislikes. Yeah. Uh, we dislike things that you like. That's true. Yeah, no, no friendship is perfect. Yeah, um, you moved to Toronto how long ago? Now, uh, almost five years. Five years. It's going to be five years in December. So, yeah. was I dating Natalie when you left? I think you had just started recently started, or maybe it was in one of those sort of like, like you know making messy, out with her and yeah, you know, sleeping around, and being can, slutty, and who stuff. can say what you were up to? Yeah, I wouldn't want to indict you. Yeah, that was a confusing time five years ago. Made all the more confusing when my good friend David Barry left. It threw a lot of people. Into, it was hard uh, to deal yeah, with. I know. What can I say? It was Edmonton's nine eleven. 
I think. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that one out. Topical, because yeah, obviously you know, we're like, you're yeah, two days out of uh, the anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, people have told me that I'm not, that's not my, those aren't my words. Yeah. Yeah. I'm using other people's <laughs> words, <Yeah>. de- <laughs> describers. I, I felt pretty devastated. I appreciate it. I felt that. like, uh, you had driven two planes into my twin towers and. <laughs> oh boy. We... <laughs> like it's not, it's been, you know, five years since I left. Okay. I think enough time has passed that we can joke about it now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long do you need? Yeah, it's true. Like, get over it, okay? <laughs> time time marches on. Mm-hmm. No hard feelings. Um, so, you do a lot of reviews. I do. In your paper. Uh, you write for art, the arts and cultural section in the mm-hmm. National Post. Uh, what are some other publications that you're writing for? Are you blogging for anybody? Uh, you not, stuff? Not, not as much, because I have that whole... Uh, wedding thing that i needed to plan so uh no i don't know okay I, pretend yeah. that you're not getting married <laughs> and if you were to describe your career and what you do on a day-to-day basis other than plan uh colors and and table settings and and that sort of yeah well i, I write mostly for the national post they keep me fairly busy mm-hmm. i've written in the past for cbc and hazlitt and edmonton's own view weekly mm-hmm. it's always very close to my heart and yeah you know here and there and around always trying to write for more places though so does national post let you do a lot of the outside writing or is there a certain contract uh, limitations i mean theoretically i'm supposed to only write for them but you know they they don't really they realize write. you're young and free exactly and yeah. it's like, like i can't be tied it's down. a new generation mm-hmm. like if we want to keep them we gotta let them go <laughs> so there's no yeah. rules about you being on podcasts no no there's not in fact they encourage it i mean i can oh. probably put this on like a Except they'd say, can you please edit out the 9-11 jokes? (laughs) Please less, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We can give you a a National Post worthy version of it. (laughs) Yeah, that you can show your boss, be like, I didn't say that. Look, oh my God, (laughs) these guys, yeah. Uh, I would be impressed, actually, if you could fake, if you could give me like a version of me saying other things, too. You know what, we'll we'll actually, for the points when you say something inappropriate, we'll distort it a little bit. Just slow it down or speed it up. So be like, that's obviously not my voice. That's so fake. Yeah, yeah. I or, don't know what they were doing. Or I'll just, I'll just, we'll, we'll like swap it. So like, I'll just record over you okay, with my yeah. own voice. And it'll be like, I said it. Right. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. Be like, Mike, but you never moved anywhere. <laughs> you didn't move to Toronto. Understand? <laughs> You'll never leave. <laughs> so we we have you on here for today's discussion. We wanted to talk to you about uh, comedy. Yes. Comedy and films, specifically films. I mean, as Mike and I were thinking about this show, we realized that there's so much to talk about. Mm. Like, it's especially when we were, we were also thinking about, uh, thinking about like television. Oh, of course. Because television's also had kind of a bit of a renaissance or golden age of comedy oh, yeah. that's coming out. Or even a whole new idea on what television can do with comedy. Oh, totally. I yeah. mean, I think you could argue that television these days is is funnier than movies or like oh it's very high, it's like far oh, and away yeah. consistently you I mean, get a chance to have characters built yeah oh, and exactly. so that you can put them in a little situation without having to all of a sudden explain what this character's motivations are first because you know them yeah as a person 
and, and then all of a sudden hijinks ensue and then within three minutes you can make the most hilarious moment yeah. with yeah. a lot of detail that's already been yeah. put in yeah. and i think you're not quite as stuck in like uh you know like standard situations where you have to like you know throw them in there just so it's something yeah. everyone recognizes and mm-hmm. can laugh to but anyway well, you I don't have the single narrative. Like the I narrative could change yeah. multiple times. I think it's episode, easy to episode. say television's doing that with every genre right now. It's it's pretty much blowing movie, right, movies yeah, out of the water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called television. Maybe you've heard of it. There's episodes, different stories in each episode. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, but so <laughs> so anyway, that was the interesting thing. Let's go back to this boring old dead medium. Yeah, let's uh, talk about yeah. film, movies. Yeah, oh. yeah. we uh, should we should have talked about TV. Should have, yeah. Well, yeah. well okay. next time, next time we come into town, <laughs> Stuart, maybe we'll go on the road. Sure. We'll see you in Toronto. I could Skype in or something. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're figuring out that. how to do that. Okay, right. We uh, otherwise <laughs> uh, we would have talked to you a lot longer ago, and uh, Omar Gaddafi uh, wouldn't have turned us down. Oh, well, we I'm... had him on a on a world interest show. Uh, when we were talking not about the Syrian refugee, but uh, about the price of wheat in China at the present time. Wow. It's uh, quite low. <laughs> on, on that note. <laughs> That's uh, our China wheat update. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we want to start talking about is comedy in films over some generations, like mm-hmm. like decade after decade, uh, comedy in film has changed remarkably. Mm-hmm. Like even going back, like you have the silent film days. Lots of like mm-hmm. uh, obviously everything's a visual comedy, mm-hmm. props, um, slapstick, comedy. slapstick comedy. Obviously, you know Three Stooges, Charlie Chaplin, all mm-hmm. that fits there. Uh, then you get into even um, get into the vaudeville stuff that's going on at the same time, which was was the audio version of it, but mm-hmm. could only be done live. And eventually when you have those two mediums meet, the live comedy versus film, then we start going down the road into the 40s and 50s of comedy, mm-hmm. which basically we've had stage after stage has changed. And looking back at some of them, some of those movies, it's hard to relate to them. Yeah. Oh, like the Three okay. Stooges. <clears throat> I mean, classic. We've grown up being told that as a dude, mm. we're supposed to like the three stooges it's a weird like male uh stereotype that's been put to yeah. us as a trope in comedy shows and stuff you're like what do you mean you don't like the three stooges like or dad shows his son the three stooges it's like right. a, a coming of age classic thing. bonding moment right mm. but three stooges i marvel at them because of their choreography oh yeah but like it, and it can be really funny mm. but it's not necessarily the kind of funny that I totally relate to. No. I so associate it with understanding their time and place and what they were trying to do. And that's the part that becomes like the funny right. comes yeah, through yeah, that. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I feel like you could almost apply that to, I mean, the, the Stooges are a classy one, a classic one, but even they were sort of like a little lowbrow for their time, say, but like it, something even like, I don't know, Buster Keaton or, Buster Keaton, or yeah. uh, even uh, the Marx Brothers. Marx uh, Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, like those are all, you know, like those are, uh, again, like classic comedians, yeah. but I don't know that I Those are people like, so like the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy, like a lot of that was all Abbott Costello. Costello. Yeah. It was all like the way they riffed off each yeah, other. That was yeah. the, the vaudeville. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, like that the quick. Of, it was a quick like back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know that I can watch those and really laugh. No. A, it's it's sort of like a. Mm-hmm, so I think yeah, kind of laugh, right? Like I I think what we like, what I want to know is like, what you guys' thoughts are on how comedy like evolved over time, but we can't look back at those things and find them funny anymore. Mm. But at the in their time, they were. The they were funniest. the goal. They were yeah. funny, and I they and they, they they broke ground. Yeah, they broke. They they were doing something. They were talented. See, I I understand. You know, things become dated, mm-hmm. uh, and that even like even if you're watching a sci-fi movie, like a '60s sci-fi movie, seems so dated to today's sci-fi movie, right? Yeah. Although, so but there you, there's still enjoyment, mm-hmm. and I think even in the comedies, some things surpass all of that. Yeah. Like yeah. Certain comedy films. From back then, like today, like make me cry laugh. I think they're that funny. Yeah. Although I do think, I think comedy in particular ages poorly compared mm-hmm. to like, there's still a lot of, you know, you can, I can, I can watch like Citizen Kane or Casablanca and maybe it's not like a totally revelatory experience, but I can still be like moved mm-hmm. uh, by those kinds of things. Whereas like comedy, it's a lot trickier. And I mm. think it's just because so much of comedy kind of depends on, well, like the classic comedy setup is here's what you think is going to happen. Oh, left turn. And then right. something else happens. So because of that, it's as soon as you start to expect that left turn, all of a sudden that becomes less funny or mm. it just like, you know, and I think you see it all the time with I, a lot of movies will say now that end up failing, feel like movies that were, you know, it's like a throwback to someone who grew up watching something in the seventies or eighties and thought it was hilarious and is recreating that. And it just, feels so tired and mm-hmm. uh because it's unsurprising like i think sort of comedy more than a lot of other mediums relies on that sort of sense of surprise and that's why it it, it can get dated i think quickly or it feels dated. yeah and also funny. i mean time and place like mm. like comedy like if it's referencing something that's been happening either politically mm. or socially or pop culturally you know i mean even going to like the movie airplane mm. and there's yeah, like, oh, yeah. Hari krishna jokes yeah. Like we we don't encounter the Hare Krishnas a ton. No. There's Hare Krishnas in joked about in uh, like the Cheech and Chong movies. Yeah, right. like their reference, and it's like one of those ones that I I don't really get it mm-hmm. because I have never met one. I've never <laughs> seen one at an airport. You're right. You yeah. know, asking for money like it's not mm-hmm. in my. I get the funniest because. I'm aware that it used to exist. Right. And you recognize that. And I recognize that I can, I can empathize or emulate maybe what other, the audience was thinking, but it's not hitting directly to the funny bone. Yeah. Like it has to go through so many paths of figuring out in my brain that it's not direct. Yeah. Well, I think that's, um, I talking to a comedian once and you know, he, uh, he said the important thing about comedy to recognize is that it's not something that's done to you, right? Like it's in a lot of ways you have to be just as active and just as involved uh, totally for it to agree. really work. Right. And so, yeah, like I think that's maybe another reason why, cause the instant that, you know, like I will never find a, a Richard Nixon joke all that funny, maybe like now as like, you know, two layers of irony yeah. uh, <laughs> sort of a thing, but like, yeah, it's just as soon as you lose that context, so much of it isn't funny. Cause again, I think, I think even maybe then it's because it relates to the fact that like part of comedy is setting up an expectation and then and then turning that expectation on its head. So the instant that you don't know how they're wanting you to feel, they can't turn you away from feeling something different, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But there are some exceptions to the rule. 
Well, why don't, that's what I'm, like, like, I'm like, wondering. That makes sense. Do you have an example of any films that are that you could see as being mostly mostly timeless, like or like mm. that have transcended that for the most part thus far? Right. I mean, I I actually think Airplane still holds up. Maybe you know, maybe not all of it, but ninety ninety percent of Airplane I can probably watch and still, and maybe just because it's sort of that classic, you know, like. Don't call me Shirley. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, well, lame, lame pun jokes like that. Like, yeah, just play like, on words are they're yeah, always pretty. funny. <laughs> oh, that yeah. that whole film is is a giant lame pun joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's like four hundred of them at once. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think that that it's one almost, that one becomes amazing because of how much they cram in. Mm. It's like even in one scene, like there's seven different jokes that have happened. It's like. <laughs> I don't even know how to keep up with you. <laughs> and the fact that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is sitting there as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, co-captain. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, so part of me wonders, too, if that's not part of it. Is that just like if you stuff enough jokes in there, it'll continue to be funny because you'll notice a new one every yeah. time. Yeah, the rewatch like, value. Yeah. Okay, just keep, just keep rapid-firing these out, and eventually one will stick. Someone in the audience will like one or more than one of these jokes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to go back further than that. Like, I don't know if I can. I think almost anything Jack Lemon did, I still find funny. I think he sort of has that, like him and uh, Walter, Bob, Walter, Walter Matthau. Well, Walter Matthau, but I, yeah, yeah uh, Matha has a bit of a different energy. But like yeah. Bob Newhart, and yeah. they have that sort of like weird nebbishy um, quality to them that I don't know if just seems sort of universal to me. That like nerdy put upon guy trying Mm -hmm. to figure it out right uh yeah that like and you know jack lemon played that character for like 40 some years and it was you know like yeah and he could still make it pretty classic so yeah i don't like much farther than that though like i feel bad you know whenever i talk to like a silent film aficionado who you know very earnestly believes that charlie chaplin is hilarious and it's like i don't it just like I, I can appreciate it and I can watch it and sort yeah. of like nod and but like to actually find it funny I just and you know and I think that like I don't know some I mean like, when you when you watch a Char- Charlie Chaplin film you're watching it because the production value on it is amazing yeah like the well, stunts yeah. you're doing, thinking about everything yeah, looks oh, great yeah, yeah, yeah. every other you know, element yeah yeah no yeah and then and, and, and just like yeah, he is like he's like a genius like yeah like, you know but like it's not it's it's not funny genius it's sort of like a yeah okay I, I get what he was doing there and that's clever but. I don't know. Like, what's the oldest film you find funny? Oldest film? Yeah, like, well, how far one. back could you go? Well, because you can also go back into old Disney movies that were, like, family yeah, yeah. comedy ones. So, like, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm. Uh, I, I, like, there's lots of funny elements there. And what's the one with... Um, I actually posted this as a, one of my DJ pictures when I was going on. It was, like, my promotional thing. It had... Uh, what's his name from... Three's company. Uh, uh, John Ritter? No. No. The oh, old the, guy. Oh, the the name oh, Don Knotts. Yeah. Don Knotts. Yeah. Don Knotts and the other guy, and they're like, oh, Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> the Apple Dumpling right. Gang, I think, is hilarious. <laughs> I think it's so funny. It, it, it's like, it's one that stands the test of time because it's already uh, doing a story that pre, like, it's talking about a Western. So it's a mm. Western being done right. in the 50s. So already I'm I'm not related to the Western right, era. Right. I don't know what's going on in the cowboy days other than the media that I've seen. Right. So the Apple Dumpling Gang, I I think is, <laughs> in fact, I, I would watch that. I'd watch it tonight. I'm going to watch it tonight, actually. I think I'm going to see if the kids, kids haven't seen it. Let's watch I, it. I wonder if there's something to parody, though, because, like, you mentioned Disney, and actually my first thought was to go to Looney Tunes, which, like, 
I can mm-hmm. still watch oh, and yeah. like love. And I don't know what it, cause I mean, that's, you know, you want to talk about slapstick or whatever. That's basically and, and we were talking. Yeah. Mike and I, I earlier were, were talking about, uh, well, that's the thing. Cause like Chippendale, you, you, you look mm. at a movie like the great dictator was like 1940. Right? Yeah. The same year you have Donald Duck cartoons, like uh, Donald Duck's vacation came out the same year. Yeah. And that, Still, I find funny. Like yeah. I find that one really funny. Still, so what's the where? Where's that disparity there between those those, those two? Like the film, and then all of a sudden, the cartoon medium was still able to. Actually, it, it really hold the it cartoon up. is more timeless. Yeah, than, absolutely. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, I wonder if it's. I remember talking to somebody about uh, puppetry and animation, uh, and his theory was that these things speak to you so well because, um, they're they're perfect. That's all they are. Donald Duck exists solely to be Donald Duck. And so everything about him is very Donald Ducky. Whereas like, you know, Charlie Chaplin is, is Charlie Chaplin, but he's also Charlie Chaplin playing a dictator. And, you know, and you just can't like, you can't access that in the same way that like, you know, yeah, Bugs Bunny is, is the perfect version of Bugs Bunny. He's never not Bugs Bunny. And uh, there, I don't know. I wonder if there's something to that where you just tap in or they're just like more exaggerated. Maybe it always looks like, you know, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't explain it. I just know that, like, I can watch Looney Tunes. Oh man, like, I laugh out yeah. loud. Yeah. Looney Tunes Absolutely. cartoons I've seen all the time, over yeah. and over again. Yeah, and I even get happier when a, one of them comes on randomly. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I love this one. Yeah, this is one of my faves. <laughs> like when you when you have uh, Sam the the sheepdog. Oh god, yeah. With the and they're they they they're clocking in and out. The you know like <laughs> yeah. Salmon, what's what's Ralph. his name? Ralph. Ralph yeah. yeah, yeah. Have a good night, Sam. You do, Ralph. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, they, and they just start the next day. It's like my job is to make sure you don't get the sheep. Your job is to get the sheep. <laughs> See what happens. Perfect scenario. <laughs> yeah. Perfect setup there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Or I'm like, but maybe it's just too that they have like more license to really go all out, right? There's no physical limitations whatsoever. Yeah. So it's always funny. It's always funny to see a cartoon animal get an anvil in the head. It just is. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, and also to be like, okay, there's no way you can possibly screw this one up. Nope. Nature mm-hmm. is totally like you are destined to always fail. <laughs> yeah. Yep, there you go. Mm-hmm. Rocket went up your butt. You're in space. Then a meteor hit you. You know, you're plummeting and you burned up in the Earth's atmosphere and you land on the pile of dynamite as a pile of dust and it's just enough to get the pile of dynamite to explode <laughs> there you go did you ever see the <laughs> chuck jones rules for like wiley e. coyote and roadrunner it's sort of i don't even know it might even be apocryphal but it's supposedly it's these rules that he had posted up about like the reasons why this is funny because we have to follow these rules and it's like you know the uh wiley e. coyote always has to be hurt because of his own fault like it can't be you know and like he always has to have acne products. I don't know if that, but, and, and the same thing too with like Bugs Bunny, where it's like Bugs Bunny always has to be the, uh, he always has to be responding. He can never be the aggressor. Right. Someone mm-hmm. has to do something. And then Bugs Bunny has like free reign to. He's like, well, you started it. Yeah. So, so now I'm going to, yeah. You've incurred yeah. the wrath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bugs Bunny. But I, I wonder if even those things have some sort of factor in it that like, yeah, we, I get, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just that perfect character thing. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, he's a he's a perfect instantiation of Bugs Bunny. I think that's a good way to look at it. So. Well, those characters will never, ever surprise you either. Mm. Like, one cartoon over the next over 30, 40, 50 years, you'd be like, well, I, I to- I, I, I'm going to predict what Bugs Bunny's going to say right now. Mm. Well, you know who's going to win. Or you know who's going right. to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
but it's almost like okay but how's he gonna win this time yeah it's about <laughs> still yeah. like you're not bored of it you still yeah. didn't get bored yeah and no matter what watching like wiley e. coyote almost win so many times. oh a couple times you're like oh because i honestly i hated the roadrunner <laughs> i wanted him to lose i wanted to him him to be roadrunner dinner <laughs> It'd be so unsatisfying, though, to see that, you know, to actually see him. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I was like, the same thing with, like, Tweety Bird, too. Like, I would... Like, if Tweety Bird got eaten? Yeah. Although, like, I say that, and now that I think about it, I could probably watch, like, a 15-minute supercut of Tweety Bird meeting his, like, grisly demise. Yeah. Because fuck that bird. And then, and then... Well, because he actually, you know what? He would be, I mean, similar rules to the Roadrunner. Or Bugs Bunny, where they're not do, they're minding their own business. Like he'd be s- singing in his his cage, swinging mm-hmm. on the the swing, and then the cat would come. Right. Yeah. And then it would start out. I taught I taught a putty tat, and then whatever the cat's trying to do, and then then you watch these other one offs with with Sylvester mm-hmm. on his own, or Sylvester with his son. Yeah. Junior, <laughs> you know that's not the way you do it, Junior. Let me take mm-hmm. care of this, and it's like. I feel bad for Sylvester. He's got a lot of pressure. He's got a kid he's trying to impress. And this stupid bird really takes it to him. Yeah. Like that bird would go well beyond what he was trying to do. Like he was just trying to eat him. I know. Like it's just the natural order of things. Yeah. Yeah. Submit. Yeah. Poor Sylvester. I agree. And even his son was like, father, (laughs) father, that's not the way I think you should do it. Father. That's like, like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. That's like, like a, like trying to go buy a, a like cow to eat and it, it gets you fired from your job and it, <laughs> and it ruins your marriage <laughs> has sex with your wife yeah. I, I always the, you get beat up by a kangaroo <laughs> the sylvester ones are heartbreaking when i he feel has so bad son. for yeah, him yeah like it's just a, it's like that's the worst it's like he can't even impress his son you know that's like a tragic a hero of oh, yeah. the cartoon is, world yeah, that i'm like a, that that's yeah. a guy that if you actually related that to a real world situation, that's a guy who who can't get food. He can't impress his son. He's a failure on all accounts. That's he like, yeah. he is. Yeah, I think Todd, it, I think Solomon's, it did a lot for me uh, as a child though, watching it and like realizing, oh, adults are fallible. Fathers <laughs> like aren't always perfect. <laughs> Sylvester, <laughs> Sylvester, the, <laughs> Sylvester the cat is death of a salesman. <laughs> is what he is. He is yeah. the cartoon version of Death of a Salesman. He's yeah, <laughs> Willie Loman. That's yeah. awesome. That's good. And he yeah. should just go kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really should. Give He's up. never going yeah. to win. The rules of the universe state. He can't. <laughs> he can't. So just die. <laughs> Tweety Bird is capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> As he's. Uh, Sitting in the sunshine, <laughs> watching all the day, watching all my troubles go swimming down the Dwayne. And he's recording into his new recording device that he wants to show uh, Sylvester the cat because he's like, this is what we need to sell. And Willie Loman or Sylvester the cat just can't comprehend it. It's just like, I just want to eat you to feed my family. Why can't I have what you have? <laughs> I'm really sad that they never did now like Looney Tunes version of Death of a Salesman. Oh yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Muppets are coming back. They can do it. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about the timelessness. Yeah. I I'm going to also say Peter Sellers has done some timeless mm. movies. 
I love The Party. Okay. The Party is one of those movies that is not timeless because it's racist. Yeah. It's super it, racist. incredibly racist. In only one f- element, though, in the right. fact that he is playing a race that he is yes. not. Brown, brown face. Yeah. Brown face. Well, and like, I feel like maybe 30% of the jokes in The Party are about the fact that like he's he's Indian and therefore sort of clueless. Well, I thought the yeah, clueless yeah. just like I wasn't see. I always thought that he was just clueless because he was just a clueless person, right? And the Indian part just uh, added to it because the English part was translated right, a little he could bit more difficult. Say funny word, I guess. Maybe it's no different than the you know the French. <gasps> I don't know. I'd like Spectre Clouseau. Sure, but, yeah. I'd like to see a version. Of the party where he's just a clueless white guy, mm. but I don't know if it would work. It might though, because I mean that was like Sellers, right? Because there's but that was his. There's some stick. of the cultural. It's the cultural clash that is a key element to the party as well, because mm. he's hitting, he's hitting, and it's a satire against Hollywood at the time too. He's hitting 1960s Hollywood mm. with 1960s Hollywood design. Even the mansion he's having a party at is one of those over-the-top uh, automated houses that you right. read about in old Playboys. And I'm saying that because I have a few old Playboys that are talking about, like, this is what your cool house could be if you had a lot of money if you're Hugh Hefner. Mm. And so him coming into, like, this weird dynamic of, mm. you know, socialite classism right. was yeah. part of the humor Yeah, sure. of that. And adding to it, slapstick comedy, total, like, off the wall. While like, oh my god, I can't believe this joke is still continuing on. It's been fifteen <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Just and we trying. haven't even got to the crescendo yet. You know, it's like But that's what made it amazing. Yeah. And Mike and I were even watching segments of that earlier today. Him, him trying to oh. get his shoe as he loses it down the little the little <laughs> the, yeah, the, indoor, the indoor house river, river and waterfall that yeah. is <laughs> pouring in from the inside and goes out to the Cupid peeing and Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I wonder if that has Although, I mean, a lot of sellers is pretty, like, Dr. Strangelove still yeah. holds up. But I don't know if that's just because it's, maybe there's something to the fact that it's satire, too. We talked about parody before, but, like, maybe there's something uni- more universal about about a satire than there is. Because, well, though, then you're going to, sorry, well, I may have talked so, myself out of that. No, late, <laughs> six, yeah, late 60s, like, that's when you get the very start of true satire and spoof, mm. where it, it was it was a commentary on things that were going on so i think the party is a commentary on the weird world of hollywood mm. at the time yeah because in the end he looks like the guy that like you can most relate to right yeah everyone yeah. else there it's like you guys are so weird <laughs> but he's the most normal he's like person decent, yeah, yeah he's a like... decent person saying his hellos goodbyes just trying to do a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> i like that I, I like that conception of peter sellers uh well, it, what else? What else came out in the late sixties that was that spoof was for satire? Spoof for satire. Uh, Casino uh, Royale. Casino Peter Sellers Royale. again. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was a spoof for sat spoof of uh, the James Bond spy films that were coming out, mm. and that one had Woody Allen, uh, David Nevin, and Peter Sellers. Mm. And that was nineteen sixty-seven. I think. Yeah, it came yeah, out. I think. Yeah, about yeah. that. And so good. Yeah, I mean, I guess you had like laughing and stuff too that's that's television mm-hmm. but yeah the same deal uh woody allen well woody so allen around them, started like, a lot late of 60s early yeah. 70s yeah yeah 
so so that's when but that's you know because there was a lot of things that were so serious happening in mm. those days and it was like eventually you needed to have a contrast mm. and then that gets even more exaggerated when you get into the 70s where 70s is like when it comes to drama action drama actually i don't even think anything in the 70s could be considered uh a non-drama even the comedies at the time were yeah, dramatic like serious yeah, yeah yeah so that's all of a sudden when you have the rise of you know the carl reiners and the mm. mel brooks who are doing spoofs that are so far the opposite way just silly ridiculous like it's like we're you know we're not doing the manchurian candidate we're doing <laughs> the kama sutra mandate you know <laughs> right yeah not that that existed but it could have mm. would have been hilarious <laughs> <laughs> Well, but that's kind of interesting because Brex is like, oh, I mean, I think the producers was a fair bit earlier, but yeah, like sort of the classic um, Blazing Saddles and uh, Young Frankenstein. But that's so vaudeville, I think, basically mm-hmm. his comedy, right? Like, it's oh almost, yeah, and I, it's weird that it had that like it's like a twenty year delay before that sort of style of just totally ridiculous. I think like even well, that's why I, I think it makes sense is when you look at like. You're dealing with movies like Serpico mm. and The French Connection and The Godfather and like all these movies that were so dramatic. Mm. Like every movie, like even Little Big Man, which I I would oh, consider yeah. a comedy, yeah, a beautiful comedy, but so dramatic, mm-hmm. right? Nothing in the '70s lacked drama. Everything had to be serious and from an auteur perspective, just being, right. You know, like like. All of a sudden, you know, we're not issues, we're not using yeah. music in our movie, <laughs> right? Like this is going to be a movie that is only like you know, uh, Altman's Altman's mm. films. Like there's there's no music soundtrack. It's all that uh, come Altman. What about not it? so like look McCabe. at Mash. Uh, well, okay, but there's a very specific song cue. McCabe and Mrs. Miller is all yeah. Leonard Cohen. Nashville is all about musicians in Nashville. Okay, yeah. if you look just, at Altman and like doing Mash and uh, and the Player, and well, Player was eighties. Play, plays a lot later, yeah. But, but. Uh, like Mash is a great example of Altman doing just that background sound of mm. if you're walking into a room, you're hearing various conversations happening all over, which are all scripted conversations. You might pick up on one or all of them, or you m- might pick up on a conversation the next time you watch the movie mm. that are happening, or you'll even zoom out and it's just, it's, there's the medic tent right? and you're hearing the operations happening on all the tables. Right. And I suppose Altman is a good example of like some comedy, but like bleak or dark, bleak, or yeah. dark whatever, comedy. like, yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. It's, which also actually stands up pretty well. I wonder. Yeah. Time. Yeah. There's I a time. Like, I, yeah. I feel like when you hold mash is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. Oh yeah. I love yeah, it's it. It's a good one. Also, uh, you were gonna say, Mike? Well, I was like, just gonna say, like, I think whenever you mash that drama <laughs> with the comedy, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why that's you, why it's you end up mash. with something yeah. more timeless. Yeah, did you know yeah. this? Little known fact. <laughs> that's why yeah, it's, it's called, called mash because mash. it's comedy right. and a drama comedy mashed drama. together. <laughs> well, but that's actually interesting to me that the idea that like if it's pure comedy, it has like a short shelf life, right? But if it's sort of just like the comedy of life or whatever you want to yeah you wouldn't call it that because that's dumb but uh like you know like uh movie that, idea yeah <laughs> oh boy we might be on to something here an altman-esque satire of hollywood in the 70s um 
Yeah, but you know, like that, I, I wonder if there is something to that, that maybe just the fact that like when, when you remove comedy a couple steps, you need a really specific, like you need to be right in that world yeah. for it to be funny. But if you like mix it in, it's a bit, you can actually relate to that across the Well, look thing. at like Monty Python 70s too. Yeah. Right, like uh, Holy Grail, Life of Brian. Those like... S- 1975 is the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah 75 so. is Holy Grail. A yeah. year after Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles came out. Yeah. Right. So what are your feelings on Monty Python? Oh, I love Monty Python. Yeah, and I think... Oh, I we haven't up. actually said it quite clearly yet, but David Barry wrote an article on Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stating how Mel Brooks isn't funny today. Right. And I think also... Was it, was it funny today or funny, what I, period? What I, what, I felt, what I felt by your article is that you posited that maybe he was never funny. I mean, I think Mel Brooks is pretty shticky. Um, I you mean, say that in a Jewish way. <laughs> right, yeah. He has a uh, shtick. Well, like, I, I, like, I, I think it, well, it's just, it is. It's, it's vaudeville. It's mm-hmm. very... Uh, like, Mel Brooks is, is hammy, Schwartz-y. weird... Yeah, a lot of Schwartz going on. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but it's that classic sort of like humor of like, it's just, you know, like this is so weird. Here's a guy doing a funny voice. Here's a guy making a funny face. Here's a, you know, it's just like, can you believe he said, you know, some Yiddish word for butt instead of, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like that kind of. <laughs> I, I still can't believe he said it. Though. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, we can't say that. Yeah. Put that like, in our movie. Wink, wink. Here's a dick. Like, um. <laughs> Yeah, so like I the radar has been jammed, right? <laughs> it's got jam dripping. Raspberry, yeah, like raspberry. That. It's raspberry. <laughs> yeah, but you need to comb the desert. I, you know what? Guys. You know what I'll say about that joke though is still the fact that he identifies that raspberry as Lone Star. He's like he knows it. He's got mm. a signature jam like that. <laughs> as sticky as that is, it's funny. Right? There's a. I don't know, but see, because I like I think Blazing Saddles is is still legitimately a very funny movie. Sure. Okay. Right. Like, but like, because there's like there was co-written by Pryor. There's some bite to it. There's right. like. It's not just like Gene Wilder's in it also. Who yeah. Is, well, uh, a God to me. I actually, if we want to talk about Mel, I think that like Gene Wilder is the secret genius he, behind he's all the of Mel Brooks. He's the reason we like, we like Yeah, Mel oh, totally. Because like Gene, like but even he's something. he's not in Spaceballs. And yeah, Spaceballs but, but is terrible. Spaceballs, I, I, Spaceballs. I rewatched it, you know, and I always loved Spaceballs and I rewatched it recently, really recently. And I was just like, ah. Oh. No, because. Yeah. I don't know how to defend also, this one. Also, Mel Brooks brought in the meta. <laughs> Mel Brooks brought in a lot of meta into his comedy. Like the fact that they're sitting on the TV screen. Okay, I'm going to rewind him back. And then you get to the credits as they're trying to like find the footage of these people. Oh, we can pause. Oh, okay, sorry. No, it's, uh, no, it's David, we, we David, if you want to get a beer, yeah, we're gonna, you don't have it, to. It doesn't matter. Just say you're going to get a I'm beer. Just say get a beer. We can edit this. So <laughs> we don't have to. We uh, can. We have we to. We're going to talk about Mel Brooks. Steam whistle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just I'm gonna o- open it up. Tasty steam whistle. Open it into the microphone and praise it. Yeah, take some. Mm. That refreshing steam whistle really takes the edge off of arguing about Mel Brooks. <laughs> we barely argued about Mel Brooks, <laughs> by the way. We're just getting started. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm very on the fence about Mel Brooks because I agree that Gene Wilder is definitely a big part of why we like him. Yeah. I think Spaceballs has its moments and has it deserves some credit in terms of like, maybe, maybe Frankenstein. Just my personal development. Again, Gene Wilder, comedy. I guess, is Young mm-hmm. Frankenstein and Madeline Kahn. Who's also in Blazing Saddles? Those two are he cast yeah. great actors. Yeah, well, and like Wilder's just such a utterly bizarre. Like I think the producers is really 
because the producers is the mm. least funny of his classic comedies in my mm-hmm. yeah. view but like gene wilder is off the wall in that movie like he's just such a weird bizarre nebbishy scared like and just like this energy that like i don't even think you you just don't see in comedic movies today everyone is way too like cool and restrained and like gene wilder's just in it and yeah. like everything he does is is sort of funny mm-hmm. uh, i think but like I, yeah, like Mel Brooks is, I don't know. I think I think a lot of Mel Brooks's genius is like deserved praise for Gene Wilder. That's my whatever. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to belabor, you know, this. belabor this or okay. stick stick into this too much. Um, <laughs> because I, I had thought actually as of a week ago that Mike and I were coming into this to like stick it to you on the Mel Brooks thing. <laughs> and then And then Mike confessed to me that he was like, I think I've rewatched him, and now I read David's article. He just basically you ruined Mel Brooks for everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Happy to David. do my part. But to, maybe if I would, if I were going to defend Mel Brooks, if I could mm-hmm. turn coat on myself here, yeah. like I think I remember thinking Mel Brooks. Like I even I remember seeing uh, you know Men in Tights when I was yeah, well, yeah. ten years old. Yeah, thought it was hilarious. So did I. Thought it was. Didn't hilarious. direct it, but he wrote it. Right. Okay. So, but like, but that is also, I mean, I think acknowledged as as the worst Mel Brooks movie of any. Oh yeah. Description. Right. Well, that's not so bad. <laughs> but <laughs> <Okay>. like, <laughs> but like, even like, I think that's just what it is. It's this young sort of like little kid humor. Like, yeah, like if our radar is jammed. Like, uh, wouldn't it be hilarious if there was actually jam on the radar? Can you? Oh but, my God! Oh, jam it, on a radar! Like. It no, the, it, it's an entire movie of dad jokes. Yeah. And yeah. speaking <laughs> as a dad. Uh, okay. okay. All right. I totally Pulling the card. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I, for one, am a father. <laughs> I have kids I need to entertain all the time. All right. And sometimes, in order for them to pay attention to me, <laughs> you need to Mel Brooks. I've got to make some puns, you know? Mm. So, anyway. okay. I think we've done the history. I actually, you know, there's one more point I want to want to make oh, about that. Is this about Mel Brooks? No, this isn't about Mel Brooks. This is about the history and like mm-hmm. an update on the uh, uh, the evolution of things like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. we've only we've only gotten to the 70s here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think the evolution of that was was like we were talking about a little earlier earlier today. Is Jackie Chan's the new Charlie Chaplin? Mm. Like when when you talk about it, he took that what he was doing all that sticky prop yeah. prat falls and all these things and like that stunt comedy and he made it like something new so you have a movie like shanghai noon yeah which is amazing like super mm-hmm. funny i love that movie <laughs> but i think i think that's <laughs> i think that shanghai noon was the jackie chan movie that she went to anyway, oh so yeah but uh, oh, it's so good for legend, comedy, legend for of drunken master yeah yeah, yeah oh like, my god anyway totally no, but Shanghai Noon as a Hollywood Shanghai movie, Noon, one Shanghai that a lot Noon of people a major, have seen. Like a big, mm-hmm. big yeah, blockbuster. Sure like okay. a, right. One of his ones, like uh, like when you compare it to Rush Hour, Rush Hour was less successful because the chemistry he had with Owen Wilson, who is, I would consider, he's not, I guess he's not even contemporary anymore, is he? No. He was, yeah, he was a late 90s, early 2000s yeah. comedian who was huge at the time, but their chemistry was amazing. Mm. And... The, that movie was hilarious. I've watched it over and over again. Showed it to the kids. The kids just like they cry laugh. It's still one of like movie. it's one of my most quoted comedies. I think still I still quote Owen Wilson in that movie all the time, <laughs> which is crazy. 
<laughs> I had no idea there was such a cult of Shanghai Noon. I know. When was the last time you saw it, David? I don't know. I would maybe when it came out. I I haven't what? seen Shanghai Noon in a long, long time. Since? Yeah. Oh, you're doing yourself uh. a disservice. Don't watch any more Mel Brooks films. No. <laughs> Again, Mel Brooks. Out. You're done. You're done. Right. Yeah. Focus on Jackie Chan. Go through the catalog. <laughs> Skip the police story. I mean, They're a little dramatic. Jackie Chan or or Stephen Chow. You know, like oh, same Stephen thing. Chow. Yeah, like he's oh. that that same. Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Shaolin Soccer. Shaolin Soccer was amazing. Uh, Yeah. The God of Cookery. (laughs) Have you seen that one? No. Which one? Oh, The God of Cookery. Stephen Chow is one of the early ones. And uh, he's basically, he plays uh, a chef who is considered the God of Cookery. He's so good at cooking that literally the gods have, like, you know, blessed him him with things. But then he gets kind of like, everyone's like, oh, no, this is the new God of Cookery. And then he gets, he's on the streets and eventually has to like try and fight his way back to be the god of cookery <laughs> again because the other guy was faking it the whole time. Classic setup. So good though. Stephen Chow is, is a phenomenal comedian and actor. Mm-hmm. And when you did uh, the recent Journey to the West, yeah. he directed it. It's not him in it, but he cast someone so like Stephen Chow in that film. And the film is. Did you, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you yeah, seen yeah. it yet, Mike? No. Journey to the West? It's uh, on Netflix, no, actually. You can watch yeah. it on Netflix. Uh, loved it. I've seen it a couple mm-hmm. times now. There's great choreography, mm. and the it it's, goes back to the slapstick. Yeah, like, totally. Although I think, I wonder if that, because like, like Jack, Jackie Chan, Stephen Chow, are doing very similar things to Charlie Chaplin, but there's such a, it's almost like they've, the editing and the putting, like Stephen Chow especially, uh, Although Jackie Chan's really good at it too, um, the way they put it together, like it's just become so much quicker. Well, they've, then, they've taken it to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So to they, go back, I mean, the evolution of it. Yeah, like Jackie Chan's older than Stephen Chow. Yeah, mm-hmm. Stephen Chow was like the young kid who who really liked Jackie Chan stuff, mm-hmm. and then also liked American comedy and f- tried to figure out how to combine all of it because he loved the the Chinese operas and the all the all the beautiful choreography but he loved just basic like he got hit in the face with a pie mm-hmm. you know and to get like he he combined some really great hmm. stuff to to make some of my favorite comedies for sure yeah uh, shaolin soccer is one that's shaolin, frequently yeah. watched shaolin soccer is amazing yeah and i part of me wonders too the the degree to which a really great comedian has that sort of broad palette i think there's something to the fact that like really good comedy is dense uh, kind of like and like we mentioned Monty Python before, but I think that's sort of the classic example of like mm-hmm. comedy that pulls in like dumb slapstick, getting hit in the face with a pie, and you know like jokes about philosophy. Yeah, it or, makes you like, think about stuff. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and like and not even you know like like really, but it just sort of like has that reference. It's referencing and, and that understands it too, you know, right? Like yeah, yeah. sociology two hundred one yeah, yeah. course yeah. that you took. And you're like, yeah. oh god, good one, <laughs> Monty Python. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, we're in. You know, anarcho-collective. Anyway, whatever. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but good on them. <laughs> Marty, a holy grail, where they, like, come up with, yeah. Yeah. Anarcho-syndicalists. <laughs> anyway, with, like, no, yeah. yeah. That's one of my, anyway. So, so you're okay with the Monty Python, mm-hmm. which was definitely spoof territory. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't there were was, elements of it. I don't know like, that it was Okay, so you have, you, you have the Knights yeah. of the Round Table riding up to a castle on their horses, which are sticks with a horse head. 
and coconuts and co- okay <laughs> so that to you is not dumb well but but, but it's not spoof i don't or know. i mean again like even that well but I no think but mel brooks is, like jamming the radar or yeah, okay. combing right, the desert yeah. kind of thing right like these are elements that I, they're not that far removed no they're not <laughs> that far removed but i mean i, I think it's still of a, a more intelligent Okay, if we could have, Is it more intelligent it? because they have British accents? No, no, no. I think I think if you have a you have a man with a stick and a horse and a servant behind him clicking a coconut to sound like a horse <laughs> is a more intelligent dad joke than the raspberry jam. I think <laughs> <laughs> Well but see I think what what separates it for me is that they have a man, you know, using coconuts as a horse and then they stop at the wall and then they get into an argument over whether a swallow could carry a coconut across, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that sort of like, yeah. it's not in a Mel Brooks movie. The coconut thing is kind of like the throwaway joke and it's yeah. like, okay, ha ha, whatever. And then Monty Python stops and like actually <laughs> gets into the absurdity of using a coconut to like, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think that's, yeah, to me at least that's where, yeah. Okay. So life of Brian too, another hilarious film. So good. Love sort life of a of Brian. general spoof, I guess you could say of, of any biblical Jesus epics, Christ right. Movie. But you I'm know, al- I'm also not, yeah. uh, arguing for or right yeah either sure. i i will say that i would go for the monty python first okay oh yeah like as, as a personal preference right like but, yeah but so, so i get I, like just again they are when they're making their you know jesus spoof they're also like getting in digs at various you know how ridiculous religion is and oh my God. tribal <laughs> whatever and us versus them whereas like mel brooks you know stops at like jesus farting on the cross yeah. Which is like not an unfunny scene. It's just that like that's all it is. Yeah. He's not making a, that's a deeper good, point. Yeah, Life about, of Brian versus History of the World. Yeah, like, are, are good ones to juxtapose against each absolutely. other. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and like, yeah. Anyway, it's just okay. Different... You know what? There's a lot of talk about <laughs> with the comedy stuff. Let's drop the Mel Brooks. Okay. Just I'm just here to ruin Mel can Brooks we, for we... everyone. No one will like Mel Brooks. Let's talk about. Can we? Are Are you okay if we just start talking about? Uh, the movies that we really like, some of our favorite comedy movies of all yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> How do we David, start? What's one of your favorites? <laughs> so, so yeah, talk what's... about what talk about a comedy movie or a couple of comedy movies that made you like you. Like you've you've really... rewatched. I want a rewatchable yeah. comedy re-watched movie. Re-watched well, okay, so from I was... whenever, new or old? New or old. Well, I'll, I'll go contemporary because I was. This was what I was really worried about when I, you guys mentioned what we were going to talk about because I was like, what has actually made me laugh in the last? Yo, we have we had the years. same quandary. Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, but I think probably the funniest uh, movie of the last five, ten years for me uh, has been In the Loop, the Armando Iannucci satire. It's based on his... Uh, well, so, okay, Armando Iannucci now does Veep, or yeah, yeah, was right. doing yeah. Veep, and he used to do The Thick of It, which is a British uh, satire, same vein, right? Yeah. People working in. So In the Loop was sort of the movie version of The Thick of It, and it's basically kind of a, a satire of the lead-up to the Iraq War, uh, but in it, you're cheering for uh, Peter Capaldi plays. Um, oh God, now I've totally forgotten his name. Malcolm uh, Tucker. Yes, Malcolm Tucker. Thank you very much. Edit that in to make it seem like I knew that off the top. Just, just say Malcolm Tucker. It'll make it easier. Yeah. Okay. Cut. Malcolm Tucker. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll make that fit. Perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Peter Capaldi plays Malcolm Tucker. He's like incredibly foul-mouthed uh, sort of fixer for the British government, and. I love it partly because you are essentially cheering for the guy who's trying to make the Iraq war happen. Like it's never explicitly said, but that's part of it. But also it's just like, it is, 
He's incredibly foul-mouthed, ridiculously creative insults all the way through. Uh, it's got an incredible pace. Like, it's got that real quick, uh, almost, you know, uh, screwball comedy mm-hmm. kind of pace to it. And again, it's like it's got, you know, that l- the layers of critique in there. Maybe the... Great cast. Yeah, I, well, oh, yeah. I watched an ultra cut of Peter Cabaldi and his cussing. Oh, yeah. Basically. Uh, and I was watching it because he was the new doctor. And I was like, who's yeah. this guy? Mm. Yeah. And then there was like, oh, if you, you want to know who Peter Capaldi is, watch this. <laughs> and that's, that's, yeah, yeah. I saw all those. And yeah. it's incredible. And so, like, I love that. I mean, I like, I like it too because it really, um, I think it captures so much when it's politics, it's all this like grandiose, you know, like high ideal, whatever. And this is just like, no, politicians are just as pathetic and petty and ridiculous as, as people. Um, as everyday people and like i yeah so i think he really manages to make like a smart effective point uh while also just being totally hilarious and i think i've probably watched that one seven or eight times in the last four years like yeah and it's every time every time uh hilarious i'd recommend it strongly to both of you perfect awesome mike what do you got for like a, a movie that i've seen you know, we can all have seen it. You don't have to do what Dave did and no, come no, up no. with one that I'm pretty sure they haven't <laughs> seen it. I'm going to outdo them. I wrote a review of it. Thanks for reading, guys. Anyway. Oh my God. When we Googled <laughs> David Barry earlier today. Do you know how many articles you've written? <laughs> yeah, so many. I read like all I the ones it. I see when they show up in my Facebook feed. And I'm like, oh, there's one. I'll read it. I assume the only articles you write are the ones that you personally post on Facebook, being like, "You should read this one." <laughs> yeah, that's just wrote it. Mm. And then do I'm you like, post oh, everyone on Facebook? No, because no. there's like yeah, ten. One of see, ten. Every one time you post is when I think you write, and I'm like, "Wow, he must make a ton off of each of these," because he's not. He's <laughs> he barely <just> writes. <laughs> he barely writes. <laughs> no, but the rest of them are just garbage. So. Aww. Anyway. Aww. Aww. anyway. Uh, comedy movie that I like. Hmm. <clears throat> I could say uh, Rushmore. Yeah, uh, I like Rushmore so much. Uh huh. It's a it, it, that one. That one uh, hits hits me right at home. I like that one. I, does it I, does I, stand I, the test of time? I th- I think so. I think so. I've watched it so many times over the years, and it stands mm. does for me. Well, I think kind of all Wes Anderson though is it's set always in a timeless setting. But you know what? And you that, don't even really know a decade. There's no but, cell phones. But it no... also comes back to that merging of the uh, mashing of the, uh, yeah. of the drama mm-hmm. and the comedy too. But that one is like, that one makes me laugh so hard. And yeah. I still, I also quote that one all the time. Mm-hmm. And well, and there's a real deep vein of melancholy yeah. underneath it that I think gives it, I really at all Wes Anderson films are just sort of like so sad. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe what people who don't like Wes Anderson beyond the whole like dollhouse aspect. It's, yeah. It's that like, they don't get how funnily sad they are that ha- like how anyway. Yeah. Well, you know what? And Rushmore is li- like one of the, it, it's before he got super yeah. stylized, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's probably I watched, more accessible for people who are, who hate him for those yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I watched Rushmore <sighs> three or four times in high school. Yeah. Uh, I even, I liked it enough that I got a poster that I had up in my room, a Rushmore poster that I got from the movie store. They always give, get rid of their old posters. But I still, like, if you were to ask me at the time, I didn't know how, like, what parts I liked about it. Because mm. it was still something that I didn't understand. 
Mm. I was like, no, this is a really cool movie. I like a lot of this, but I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. To relate mm-hmm. it to. But I still, I watched it over and I love certain scenes. It wasn't until Royal Tannenbaums came out mm. that all of a sudden everything went. Whoosh, and I was right. like, oh, okay. You saw what he was doing. Oh, I see yeah, it yeah. now. I see this whole bigger picture of character development and stuff. Is like, because mm. I, like I was 16 and I was like, I, I, was, I, I like this movie. It's yeah. cool. I Great was poster. 15 when I first saw it. <laughs> There's something there. Yeah. I was 15 when I first saw it. So I'm like, that, well, the same age as Max Fisher in the movie. Mm. And I, I remember I got it. You, I think you gave it to me for my birthday, probably a DVD version of it. And uh, I'm pointing it. I'm pointing at Sean. Dave didn't give it to me. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I was. You missed just, his birthday that year, yeah. Dave. When he was <laughs> I 15. couldn't believe it. <laughs> Dave gave me dick all that year. Uh, so uh, I was just coming off like really. Uh, all of the Monty Python stuff. I had mm. just ingested all of it over the last couple of years, had been like really watching and rewatching that, thinking that was the funniest thing ever. And then Rushmore I watched and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like it blew me out of the water. I was like, what is, what the hell is this? I love this. I, I don't know. It was a totally new thing for me. Mm. And this was already a post bottle rocket movie. Yeah. But even bottle rocket, like I like bottle rocket fine, but like Rushmore is a, Oh yeah! Oh, leaps and like, bounds. Yeah, leaps like and bounds. Next level, like yeah, um, like Bottle Rocket's one of those ones that I think relied more on the people he cast. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Owen Wilson has often co-wrote with him. Like he co-wrote for Rushmore. He co-wrote for Royal Tannenbaums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's the sad melancholy behind it. That's the dark and then bits he tried behind to, it. The Owen Wilson. He tried to commit. <laughs> now that we know what happened yeah. later, <laughs> I wonder about that though too. Because like, especially if you look as I mean, I I still like Wes Anderson plenty, but like as he moves along and like starts writing with Roman Coppola and yeah, all these other like uh the the first three Rushmore, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, and then um. Life Aquatic. Uh, Life Aquatic, which was Noah Baumbach. Yeah. Like, those three are my favorite far and away. And oh, yeah. Is, absolutely. There is like a, there's a level of sadness and darkness in those that just doesn't quite, quite factor there. in anymore. I mean, granted, what, Grand Budapest had, like, yeah, Nazis. Yeah, Grand, Grand Budapest had a Hollywood sadness darkness, too. Yeah, like, That's yeah, a very yeah. classic yeah. sadness darkness. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think uh, Grand Budapest was a superior film in most regards. I think the setting didn't become too much of a character. Mm. Uh, still using the same color blends. I think some of the edits in the storyline were a little bit more in, intriguing for a general audience. However, there was something missing. I agree mm. with you. Like it's it's not one that I'm like ah, I'll watch it again. Yeah. Whereas I will I will put in Rushmore or Royal Tenenbaums yeah. over and over again. Oh yeah. I've watched yeah. those movies like a oh, yeah. hundred times. Royal Tannenbaum's The Life Aquatic I, I used to put on just to go to sleep. Like, <laughs> it's it one of the, so nice. It's, it's yeah. the first it's deluxe movie. Criterion yeah. movie that I, I bought was Royal Tannenbaum's. Mm. Yeah, mine was Life Aquatic, actually. Yeah. But yeah, but no, but I think that is like, I think if you were going to accuse Wes Anderson of dollhousing, like beyond the sets, I think his latest movies just don't, they're more of that like, let's move around the chess pieces and funny and like lively and i yeah. still like them but like I, I think life life aquatic might still be we can't forget about fantastic mr fox though yeah that's, that's which another, which yeah. which goes outside of the dollhouse thing yeah yeah yeah. but again and that, like that's they when do that, a few like, cutaways but yeah like and that, like, i loved fantastic mr fox yeah. i thought 
even though everyone on his set apparently thought he was the worst asshole in the entire <laughs> world because he was such a perfectionist. Mm. Just doing stop stop motion animation. Yeah. But there, yeah, I don't know. There's that real, I don't know, that real sense of, of sadness or loss or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like Life, Life Aquatic has that in spades, I think, that just like oh, yeah. a guy who's wondering what he's it's doing a great, with his life. It's a great t- uh, character study on just yeah. this one guy who's, yeah. it, and it's over this vast, big, stylized world. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's it's really neat to, I don't know, I, that movie... I, I almost cry every time I, I watch know, it. Yeah. <laughs> so many, so many feels as the kids. So say. many feels, yeah. <laughs> so, David, you talk about uh, BBC political comedy. <laughs> you talk about super melancholy uh, artistic comedy of Wes Anderson. I, I talk about nostalgic comedy. That's mm. a nostalgic one. That's yeah. pretty mm-hmm. old. I was like fifteen. Mm. My favorite comedy comedy movie of all time. I, I know what it is. Do you? Yeah. Say it. Is it the jerk? Hot Rod. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it is the jerk, but yeah. Hot Rod is a close second. I just didn't want to give you your... He, he, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the jerk. Let's the talk jerk. about the jerk. Okay. Let's talk about the jerk. Okay. Let's pause and go pee first. All right. Pause and pee. <laughs> We're recording now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back from Pittsburgh. Okay, so as I was saying, favorite comedy movie of all time, I'm pretty sure, and there's a lot of favorites, is The Jerk. Mm. I think The Jerk is one of the most perfect comedies in so many ways. It, like. it had, well, Carl Reiner directed. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin had approached so many studios beforehand because it, it was his script, and he. Basically, like he ended up putting, like, as he kept getting turned down by studios, would add elements of his script, which were basically, it was basically a, a grouping of vignettes and, and sketches together. And he would start putting them into a stand up comedy. So people would be familiar with it. And mm. all of a sudden, he was like almost like training the Hollywood execs when they're about to read it again, be like, oh, yeah, that is funny. <laughs> You're doing that thing you do. Great. It's your shtick, and and then finally, Carl Reiner is like, "Oh, I'm, I'll do this for sure." Hmm. He was big on Saturday Night Live at that point. He had a huge following. Steve Martin had thought that uh, film in in Hollywood was the more lasting career, as hmm. opposed to the stand up stuff that he was doing. So, I think that movie is brilliant. It's so goofball. Hmm. Uh, it. It's got so it's so absurd, but it's got satire at the same time, and it, it's almost like the original Forrest Gump. <laughs> it's a Forrest Gump film, uh. you know, where it's a guy who is who's a total dolt who yeah. just happens yeah. to get involved through his little misadventures and his ignorance, and ends up being rich, <laughs> and and still in the end, completely happy. Like you, like the beginning of the movie is him as a, a street person, and like, oh, I'll tell you my story, uh, if you want to hear it. It all started way back, and then you go back to him being raised by the black family. Yeah, I was born a poor black child. I was born a poor, poor black, black child. child, and he's he's sitting on the porch, has no rhythm, he feels out of place, until 
white radio comes on his radio and he's like look mom dad look at this i can look at this and that's his like calling to go out into the world like his comedy like his body comedy yeah is so good like because a lot of people remember steve martin as the straight guy mm. in a lot of later films but he started out as one of like the most like he was the original jim carrey Oh yeah. When it came to the the absurd things that he would do and the voices he would do, but he was like pure absurdity. Yeah. I like one of my oh, yeah. favorite Steve Martin bits is the uh, comedy for dogs. Have you ever seen this like dog oh, yeah. comedy routine? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's just like that. That like in the seventies he was doing mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. I'm just like yeah. Um, I I think that stands up for because it's just like pure, like essential absurdity almost. Yeah. Everything he's doing. Like I I also think like the cast. The cast of that film is phenomenal. Bernadette Peters, mm. who he he wrote her role for Bernadette Peters, <laughs> like that role. Like he he had a bit of a crush on her and was like Bernadette Peters is perfect for this. Uh, the whole uh, the ukulele song that they do together, which is I think beautiful, and didn't actually end up being. It was funny, humorous, but also didn't because there's the risk of it being too schmaltzy mm. being too sweet and be like ugh, and it takes everyone out of the the feelings that they were having with this comedy going in and it was perfect well mm. they, they the way they capped that one with the him saying like i wanted to fly in the end there just now and 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 float all the way through these tubes here yeah, and, and, up and all the way here. there and, and right and right up to here and kiss you on the lips well, why didn't you? Well, I didn't want to get spit on me. Like, <laughs> 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 uh, it's probably one of my most watched comedy films. Mm. I, I've seen seen that one. I, I, I saw that, uh, I think it was for the first time on TBS when I was a teenager. <laughs> and it was edited. And I thought it was funny, but I didn't. I was like, ah. Yeah. My dad was like, oh, you got to watch. Oh, the jerk. That's a classic. That's a classic. And then I, I rented it later and and watched it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, all the parts they had seen in the edited TBS version on top. Like, oh, and then the first day, it, it felt like four days. And then on the second day, that felt like, like eight days. And the third day, I didn't really see you. But it still felt like half a day. <laughs> And so, you know, like, and that just, like, some of those scenes just, like, the comedy just goes on and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. just the right points and, and, and hits it in a way that I find will always be timeless. Mm. I think that is one of the funniest movies that's ever been written. I think it, some people find it a little, feel a little bit underrated. Mm. I think it's, well, I think part of it's just that, like, Steve Martin's reputation is. Well, my dad even told me that when, yeah. when that movie first came out, he didn't like it because mm. when he first discovered, when he saw Jim Carrey on TV, he was like, oh, it's just like Steve Martin and the jerk. It's mm. too much. Right. He's just doing too much. But man, in, in contrast, Steve Martin to Jim Carrey, <laughs> like the jerk versus Ace yeah. Ventura. Like Steve Martin is very understated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. What do you think? The new phone book is here. (laughs) The new phone book's here. I'm somebody. (laughs) (laughs) 
and a guy just randomly finding a name in a phone book. Yeah. <laughs> Naven Johnson. Hey, he <laughs> hates you, these you're cats. gonna you're gonna die, Naven Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of later, Steve Martin? Like, what do you talking about? Oh. Things like what, like the. the no. Well, no, father I, of the, or what is it? Yeah, father, father of the, the bride, bride, I guess later. Well, okay, so let's let's go like back he had though, because like planes, trains, plan. automobiles, yeah. John Candy, mm-hmm. beautiful. The two of them together. That's probably one of the first movies that he was the straight man in. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he started trains. playing that yeah. angry straight man. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, three Amigos. Three oh, Amigos. Yeah, yeah he was not a straight man in Three no, Amigos. No, no, no. I just, I just think that Three Amigos is also on my list. That is one of the most perfect comedy <laughs> films ever written that one's excellent so good um but then you get into it like there's what's the one with the nose when he's got the nose roxanne it's, yeah roxanne roxanne was as a kid that was probably the first steve martin movie that i recognized i was like oh that guy who has the really right, big yeah. nose i just assumed that was his real nose <laughs> i was like oh that comedian who's got the really big nose <laughs> As a kid, that's his thing. He's got that yeah. nose. Yeah. yeah, I see why he's funny. He's got yeah. that nose. <laughs> but then, yeah, Father of Bride is when he gets PG. Mm-hmm. Father of Bride was a remake of that nineteen. It was a nineteen fifty film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a nineteen fifty comedy. It was. It was still a comedy, but I don't know. Like, I, 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 I'm a little sad that he couldn't retain some of his goofiness. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that was because he was typecast or just knew that that was what was expected of him because he was signed with companies like Disney and stuff. Right. Yeah. It was like kind of kind of the curse of Eddie Murphy. Well, he had to play mm. a dad a lot. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. just got stuck playing a dad, family well, man. But you know what? He was really funny in Father of the Bride, though, too. I, I can't discount it. No. Like Eddie mm. Murphy and like, what's his family? Like Dr. Doolittle. Or whatever. Like, those are just like... <laughs> but... Steve Martin, like when he's he's freaking out in the grocery store because the hot dogs count the, oh, yeah. the number of yeah. buns in the bag, <laughs> and he's just like he's lost it. You have Martin Short playing like the 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 wedding planner, mm. like oh yeah, like he he's also phenomenal. Yeah, and it Martin Short. Let's go back to that. He is also one of those great comedians of those times that never starred in a film, but he was in Three Amigos. Mm-hmm. Him and Steve Martin have been buddies for a long time. That guy, he's also ageless, and I've seen like he was <laughs> yeah. on Saturday Night Live last yeah, year, yeah, yeah. And, and that's one of the funniest episodes of Saturday Night Live I've seen in probably five, six years. Hmm. Although, but I don't feel like I don't know that there's too many Martin Short movies outside of no. Three Amigos. But I don't I know. I don't enjoyed. know if Martin Short can ever be a leading man. Mm. He's always got to be that guy who's playing on yeah. the scene that's been set for, before him. He's kind of too high energy, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. he's Jim he's Carrey. Like, yeah. He is the Jim Carrey. Mm. The Jim Carrey of Three Amigos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think mm. Steve Martin's career... Then then you go from Father of the Bride to uh, Bowfinger. Yeah, Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Yeah. With Eddie Murphy, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Eddie one's... Murphy finally breaking out of some Disney stuff for a bit <laughs> to play himself as a big actor and his brother. Yeah, as a complete nerd. And he, he's so good. He talks so white. He's got <laughs> braces. There's a note. That's one of the only last things I've oh, seen of Eddie Murphy. Yeah, that's right. 
Novocaine. What's yeah. Novocaine? Which one was that? When he plays the dentist. Yeah. Who's uh, what is a drug? I have, I don't think I've seen that one since it came out. Um, Maybe, but he's he he. I don't know if I saw it. Novocaine. Mm. Novocaine's great. Uh, he sort of like, he ends up. Um, he gives a woman who comes in, and she's very seductive, and he keeps giving her drugs he shouldn't be giving her. She's a classic like drug seeking behavior, and like. He keeps feeding it, sort of, and he gets him in a whole mess of trouble. And he keeps—it's just him about him trying to get out of it. And he gets involved with like some, just just a, a bunch of bad people and bad times. It's <laughs> it's just about him digging himself out of a hole, kind of. I don't know if I ever saw that one. It's amazing. But that was it's, him it's doing movie. like going back to a little bit of a dark comedy. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Which I want to see. Yeah, well, yeah. I think no, part of the good. problem is just like Steve Martin just sort of became—he stopped sort of doing his own thing and just became a comedic cog in someone else's wheel. Which is like, yeah. Which he can pull off. It's just not actually as funny. Like, do you ever the, see L.A. Story? L.A. Story. No. It's got a young uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, mm. um, and he's kind of like a, a washed-up Hollywood guy. I think he's recently divorced, and uh, I'm gonna totally botch this. But Sarah Jessica Parker is one of these girls that he's been mm. dating and sleeping with a much younger girl, and I think she's she she's like Tiffany with. Spelled with a capital T, little I, capital F, mm, okay. kind of kind of thing, <laughs> right. and uh, it's another interesting one because it's him. It's more of a uh, a case study on uh, a middle aged guy trying to deal with himself in Hollywood. Mm. So he doesn't get into goofball situations, but he's a bit of an asshole and doesn't understand also that he's super sad about mm. being al- alone and lonely. The laugh riot. Should get into. So, you you listed one of your favorites, which was uh, in the loop. And Mike, Rushmore, and mine was the, the jerk, or, uh, or hot rod. Or hot rod. <laughs> hot rod. Uh, okay, can we finish off on hot rod? Just yeah. quick, little quick, quick yeah, quick little thing so, on hot rod. Dave, mm-hmm. what did you think about hot rod? I like hot rod. I think um. Along with MacGruber, two of the most oh, you like underrated. MacGruber. I yeah, love yeah. MacGruber. I think MacGruber is incredible. That's a good one. Yeah, but that's a really good. Totally underrated SNL uh, comedies that just like people dismissed out of hand that are both uh, really funny. Did you know that Hot Rod was originally written for Will Ferrell? <laughs> it was actually on the books for like five or six years, <laughs> and then finally, there Adams Andy Samberg was like, ah, I'll do it. <laughs> I, I, I like I like the script. Um, it's what I love that movie. It's so absurd. It's also a, a callback to the eighties. Mm. Like it makes me feel like. Do you remember the movie Rad? It was no. a BMX movie that came out in the eighties. <laughs> it was actually it was filmed in Cochrane, Alberta. It was a big hit because it was in the BMX scene of like nineteen eighty five. Loved it, but that Hot Rod just like because it's timeless. Like you yeah. don't know what decade that's even being filmed in. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen it at home, it's really funny. I've seen it about 18 times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
Sean! <gasps> what are you drinking? Oh, uh, hey, Mike. I didn't see you there. That, that was a steam whistle pilsner, Canada's premium pilsner. It's brewed with only four all-natural ingredients, spring water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. All GMO-free. It's delicious. Oh, yeah? Mind if I have one? Actually, that was my last one. Dang, that sucks. It does suck. It really does. Steam whistle beer. Um, so we're at our, our point in the show that uh, we have the book of questions. The book of questions. Uh, book of questions uh, written by Gregory Stock, Ph.D., Mm. So uh, the easier way to say that is Dr. Gregory Stock <laughs> uh, wrote this book called The Book of Questions. Uh, so every episode we have people or our guests get to pick one or two. Okay. Um, they uh, We tag it, so don't pick any of these ones okay. with the, the tags on the page. And you get to say the question okay. if you like it. And <sighs> you'll probably be the first one to answer, and then we'll basically have a discourse about afterward. About, okay. 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 Not a bad one. Question 155. I don't know if the numbers matter to you. Yeah. For $50,000. Okay, wait. Before you say the question, can you please tag that page so we oh, know sorry, we asked yeah. it already? Okay. All right. Proceed. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. All right. Page tag. <clears throat> For $50,000, would you put to sleep a healthy pet you love? How much more or less money would it take to change your answer? For $50,000 $50,000 A healthy pet that I love A healthy pet that you love No You would not Not for 50000 How much? Uh, I think um, I think a dog that I, Or a dog or a cat Or any animal that I love mm. uh, Putting them down When they're healthy Is going to leave an emotional scar you think? You're not insulting them no, but so <laughs> like they're no. dead. They won't be scarred anymore. It's mm-hmm. gonna scar me. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, not the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're killing me. You've hurt my feelings. <laughs> How do you emotionally scar a dog? That yeah. Will be next week's question. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it would have to be quite a bit. There's I I as much as it pains me to admit there's a number there's got to be a number oh there's got to be a number I yeah mean, come on that's like let not get crazy hundred thousand hundred would would you do it or is that what you're saying no I'm is asking you like I'm trying to figure out what your number oh is oh my god a hundred thousand isn't it do you have a pet David two fifty it's got to be a few million I think I don't currently have you a don't pet. have a pet Mike you don't have a pet either I've grown up with pets yeah, yeah but I've if had you pets. had a pet right at this moment if yeah. i had one right at this See, moment i have think... a pet leave on it like the mm. moment you asked this question i put it to leave on you flashed okay so okay so 50 the 50 000, no leave no. on the cat you couldn't do it for 50 i couldn't natalie could <laughs> <laughs> my partner natalie would do it for 25 yeah. <laughs> she'd be like it's gonna change our lives <laughs> we're free no we're scratching the couch he's not gonna <laughs> shit on the carpet in the basement and we get to pay off your debts because hmm. she doesn't have debts. I do. Well, I mean, that's a whole other ring. I'm surprised. Well, you know uh, what? I'm the one who has the debts, but I still don't want to sell my cat for. 
Well, it's not sell. You're not selling not your cat. Sell. Did it's you kill. mishear the yes. question? <laughs> 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 yeah. Right. Is it, well, maybe it'll live. Yes, if I'm you selling, sell your I'm cat. I'm selling it to God. Dollars. Yeah. I'm okay, selling him yeah. to God. Okay. The cat God. Oh. Dave, what's your It would number? have to be 100. I'd do it for 100. 100,000? 100, That's enough? Barely enough. You're That's the bare minimum. Mm. I, I, hey, he's he's <laughs> almost 10 years old. Yeah, he's up there. He's seven. Um, <laughs> my Well, okay, two things on that. Uh, one, I wonder how much this would change. A more interesting question might be how much money would you pay to keep him alive oh. i think like what you know it's like you get a i, I think you're question oh. dodging <laughs> <laughs> no we'll get to that okay, but you right, still need to put a number you still need to put a number on this uh okay well i think fifty thousand is probably too low yeah but like it's the whole like it's a healthy normal pet thing that, that yeah. bothers me mm-hmm. like I don't usually have a problem. That's murder. Putting down. Well, yeah. They, well, it's just like wanton, just like waste. You know, it's just like why would you just, just randomly kill something uh, for any money? Having said that, like, there's got to be a money figure. Oh yeah, I I'd, I'd probably <laughs> do it for, well, at this point, more like. Well, this like, is the this is the like, beginning of a horror movie yeah. plot, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Your cat comes yeah. back. The cat came back the very next day. Uh, like when I was younger, probably like like there was a time when like fifty thousand dollars legitimately would have changed my life. Oh yeah. So I probably would have done it like if I was like twenty years old for fifty thousand dollars. Heartbeat. Uh, these days, like now that you work for the National Post, <laughs> still about 50, associate no. feature editor. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, if I'm going to do this, I want a degree of comfort afterwards, right? Like, I'm not just going to do it because, like, I want to go on a trip to Bali and have a nice dinner. Like, I'm going to do it because, like, I'm going to not Change have to pay bills anymore. Change your life. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like, so let's say 500000 in that range. Ooh. Maybe low. Maybe less. I don't know. The you non-pet think, owner gives an even higher enough. price. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like a piece of shit. Well, I just want no guilt. But I think I could probably, who knows? Like, maybe if it was. Uh... You're always going to have guilt. Right. It doesn't matter what the price is. I, I, I don't think, think that guilt could... would be completely eliminated ever. I think you could buy away my guilt. I think there is a, there's a, like. I might do it for a hundred thousand dollars, but I would feel guilty for a hundred thousand dollars. Well, like, like I think for five hundred thousand, I would not feel guilty. Let's like that's just say, good math. But I mean, also, like, yeah, I mean, I think as your number goes up, the awkwardness would go up too, because people are like, "Well, you've made quite a fortune. How did you make your fortune?" And that's always the question. <laughs> right. Well, I your killed, new I money. Killed, how did you do it? <laughs> killed my dog. My killed my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Someone offered me this money Wait, to kill my dog. I'm actually now wondering. Oh, see, it just says, would you put to sleep? Although, but I don't know if... Is that like, like a headlock? Like, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> see, now... What does actually say? Like, well, but I guess what I'm wondering is it like, do you just go deliver it to the vet? And you're uh, like, here's my dog. Or, here's your 50,000. You, or is see, it like, you have to like, here's a loaded revolver. Or you... like, Or, you, or a needle. Yeah, or whatever. And you yeah, have like, to do it. You or do you just do rock it. it to sleep? <laughs> like this. Like, Levon, I can put him on his back in my arms. Right. And rock him to sleep in like five minutes. <laughs> $50,000. I do that for... For free every day <laughs> but see, but i like I, I actually think there's another wrinkle though too because if it's like getting someone else to put down your pet i'd probably do that for less money than killing it myself right oh they would have i don't even know if i could actually. yeah 
Like, I don't know if, if you had a price. price. Someone gave you a needle full of whatever. They, they, they would literally have to show me the cash, first of all. <laughs> I think like, in the, like, like for the like, purpose of like hypothetical I want, I want questions, it, I want they're it. not also going to fuck you over. No, <laughs> we're not going to flip the page and be like, joke's on you. You killed yeah, your but no. nothing. Like, yeah, but just saying a number like, I'll pay you a million dollars. I have it. And you'd be like, I know you have a million dollars. But then seeing like a million dollars stacked in a briefcase, right, okay. it's like, fuck, that's a million dollars. That's a lot of money. That I can see how big that is. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to go kick Levon in the face right now. <laughs> you know, that ought to do it. Yeah. I think he's, he's, he's kicking him in the face is like a hundred. It's like, all right, that's mild. No, hundred thousand dollars is he's, he's got to sleep quietly. <laughs> million dollars though. Yeah. That's when I go find the hatchet. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're going to get so many emails. Yeah, sorry. That's another, oh, speaking like, of emails, uh, you can email us, uh, at, Borcelli Brothers dot or Borcelli Brothers at gmail dot com. That's the one. B O R C H E L L I Brothers at gmail dot com. If you don't know how to spell brothers, then don't email us. Thanks. Anyway, yeah. This has um, been a great conversation. <laughs> I don't even think we need to go to another murder? another yeah. uh, book of questions. This is actually probably one of the best book of questions. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, David. Anyway. It's been great have you on the show it's been a real pleasure it's been really nice thank I, you guys this, very much just good to see you again it's, it's also really good to yeah. see you also if i don't make my wedding someone come <laughs> to sean borchard's house <laughs> and we can edit this out later <laughs> okay right. thanks cool. a lot david thank you thanks. guys sitting in the sunshine <laughs> watching all the day watching all my troubles go swimming down the Dwayne. <laughs> wink wink here's a dick <laughs>